This podcast is brought to you by JBL. Employing the best methods and tools, audio technology is at the core of everything JBL creates. Never straying from a ground-up approach to everything they build, JBL has produced a prolific list of audio achievements, groundbreaking technologies, and revolutionary advances in the art and science of professional audio. JBL, passion for sound and those who create it. Learn more at JBL.com. Hello and welcome to Tape Ops Discussion, where we call our friends and music community notables to chat about their favorite records. Enjoy. Hey friends, welcome to Discussion. I'm Jeff Stanfield, and today we have our own Larry Crane chatting with Steve Von Till of Neurosis about Brian Eno's classic ambient album, On Land. Thanks for doing this. This is really cool. You picked one of my favorite records, Brian Eno's On Land. And uh, and that made me excited because it's exciting to hear about new stuff when we do these. But it's also really exciting when it's something that I hadn't thought about examining in quite a long time. So, man, how did you first hear On Land? You know, I, I since I chose it, I was trying to remember. Yeah. Uh, and I, I can't exactly pinpoint when I first heard it, but I, I it must have been... I remember when I first purchased it. I, I purchased it when CDs were first becoming uh, kind of dominant. So probably very early 90s, 91. Yeah, right. Maybe something. Um, and it was... You know, I I spent in my early twenties. I was definitely trying to expand past all the you know the punk rock. How loud and how fast can we get? You know, and <laughs> and trying to explore different types of depths. You know, both as <clears throat> just for enjoyment and for uh, I don't know knowledge. You know, just fellow music nerds understand. We just <laughs> want to understand where all the different musics come from and what inspired what, you know, and Brian Eno's name popped up quite a lot when I was kind of getting into uh, <clears throat> where some of the strange modern music came from. And yeah, it, um, at that point in my life, a lot of the, um, his vocal albums didn't really do it for me. I've, I've since gone back and learned to totally appreciate them. Sure. You know, but uh, something was different about On Land. Before that, I'd heard some, you know, plenty of crappy New Age music. I've heard, <laughs> you know, maybe um, a lot of Tangerine Dream. Yeah. You know, which I consider better, like the early synth stuff. But it wasn't, it wasn't ambient music. It was electronic music. And right. Um. I think I was hearing this around the same time as things that came after it. You know, like Coil, um, and some of the more yeah. darker ambient, d- darker ambient artists, like Nurse um, with Nurse with Wound, exactly. You know, yeah, and so kind of putting all that together at the same time and realizing, oh, actually these these ambient records are the precursor, you know, um, to that stuff by a few years, and um, 
started reading whatever I could read about Brian Eno. And um, I think I tried a couple other records before I got that one, maybe, uh, maybe Thursday afternoon or yeah. music for airports. And none of them had the kind of dark... <laughs> This was darker, right? That, you know, that's obviously what what floats my boat is this kind of more dark and compelling and uh, sounds and um, and so I think it just really captured my imagination uh, in, in multiple ways. Tell me if I'm wrong, but wasn't there a point where Neurosis did like two albums and one was ambient and one was rocking and you're supposed to play them at the same time or something? Am I am I getting this wrong? We did that several times. Okay. So one, is, one is more known than others. Um, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when I bought that CD, we, we weren't to the point where we could explore that stuff yet, but I saw that diagram for setting up an external <laughs> speaker. There was a diagram in the record yeah. for wiring, I think, the positives off both speaker feeds to a center speaker behind you just to open up the stereo field. Right, kind of uh, an extra phantom center or something. Yeah, I've, I've yeah. never tried that. Um, I'm afraid it would blow up the stereo. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But but I do remember it. Like, I do remember one um, Christmas Eve uh, in San Francisco in this uh, old Victorian I lived in, and um, I had Brian. E I had on land on the stereo, and um, I had some cheap cassettes from Walgreens of like fire crackling fire sounds or whales or birds or river stream, whatever, you know, just some right. like dollar 99 cassettes. And I remember in my clock radio, I had a cassette deck and I put the, put the crackling fire one in there. So I had on land on this, on this nice hi-fi. I had the crackling fire on the clock radio and I thought oh, that's pretty great man those different sounds are mixing together perfectly I wonder if I could add anything more to that the only th other sound source I had in the room was the television <laughs> so I, I I turned on the television and scrambled through whatever channels I could find and it was the Pope's Midnight Mass and uh, you know it, it wasn't wow. as offensive to me as it normally would because it was in Latin yeah. so uh <laughs> So I had that turned on with, you know, with this thing turned around the other way. So I was listening to this guy, you know, chanting in, in Latin with this crackling fire and Brian Eno's on land. And that just kind of opened my mind to maybe, maybe we should start composing with multiple sound systems uh, in mind, right. you know. And then, of course, in looking into that, found out the Flaming Lips had done that as well. Right, right. You know, around and, that time. Uh, yeah, we d we did it several times um, with uh, several records, and I think um, a lot of it has to do with exactly buying uh, buying Brian Eno's on land and seeing that diagram. That's funny. Like it just sort of opens a little mental door to like, hey, we could try this thing out. Exactly.
the the record itself, like like you say, it's darker. And a lot of the pieces seem to start with like a low synth drone, like a low note, you know, as like a texture that then is built upon upon that with various sounds. And you don't, like you mentioned, if you listen to the other ambient records, you listen to um, Music for Airports, Ambient One, or you listen to the one with uh, Harold Budd, uh, Number Two, Plateau of Mirror, or even Laraji, who we had in the mag recently. And yeah. those are all much, um, there's darkness to them in degrees, especially the Harold Budd one for sure more, but they're not like big texture slabs like this thing, you know, very different. Very true. And I think, um, as much as like you're saying, it does have these dark, heavy drones that kind of sit and hold this low end while your mind focuses more on these kind of upfront sounds like, Mm -hmm. you know. I don't know, bells, field recordings, birds, right? Uh, frogs. Bubbling uh, water sounds. <laughs> yeah, bubbling water sounds. But it's strange. Like I, I never I never think about machines when I listen to that record. I, I usually like, you know, tear things apart and wonder what what was used to create it, you know, what uh, how did the artist um, make this in the studio? I never trip on that when listening to on land i just kind of go into it and i as i said in my email when when i picked it i i really think i have more hours clocked on on land uh than almost any other record probably most of it sleeping in airplanes you know while traveling right right um because i would just put that on repeat and um would never feel you know shaken awake or or Except for I do remember at one point I had to switch to a different record because I remembered that I, it always woke me up when I could hear that. There's some, one of the tracks has a disembodied voice uh, kind of creeping through it a little bit. And it and that would yeah. always wake me up. <laughs> like, <laughs> like a little sound, a little thing comes in. Yeah, so, some little thing in there would uh, would pull me out of the trance. But... Um, it, it really does, you know, it's called on land and it may, it really does. I mean, the sound word soundscapes is so overused in mm-hmm. ambient music, especially, and I'm guilty of it as anybody <laughs> else, but it really does make me think about, uh, either imagined or real places. It does evoke, yeah. it does evoke a sense of place and, and looking at, uh, the way it's inspired me over the years, that's, I've come around to exactly exploring that myself. You know, what's the relationship between a sonic representation of, of a contemplating space and, and people's relationship to space. So, so often, especially Western music, is very uh, rigidly constructed, you know, with verse, chorus, A, B, whatever you want to call the parts and and stuff like that. And, and uh, you know, I mean, you, you could certainly somehow write this out as music, I suppose, but it's really more about the textures and the sounds and, the, and what that evokes, you know. 
I think, don't you think a lot of the stuff is weirdly slowed down stuff? I, like things that are recorded and then brought down like way below pitch. For sure. There's some moments where you feel like you're inside of a bell. Yeah, it's like you know, like, like yeah, you're he- like you're he- like you're hearing the like the the resonance that's happening in the bell when it's not even struck, like just the inherent uh, low frequencies in there. So I, that does make you. <clears throat> I mean, you know, it's Brian Eno. Who knows yeah. what? I don't know what tools he was using. I kind of uh, don't. I've, I've always, you know, we examine these things as, as musicians and producers and stuff. But I kind of didn't when I started. I put it on this morning full volume here with a subwoofer and some really good speakers and I've never done that and I listened to it all the way through and I was like holy shit it's ominous and it's it's rumbling and there's like and I don't know how those are created by some of the sounds although I, I did finally look at the credits and realize that's Bill Laswell on the first track like the the little bass bits that'll explain that I looked at the the, the titles you know and I I, I think in retrospect, I, th- I think he may have titled them about real actual places. Yeah, um, uh, Lizard Point's a place, and uh, uh, at the south of of, uh, of Britain, one isn't there a marsh one? And then, yeah, Lantern Marsh. Yeah, and then the, and then there's one about a little grove of trees. Um, I'm forgetting the name, <laughs> but yeah, they're all they are all actually. He, I found some interview where he was saying what places they were just named after. They felt reminded him of the feeling of places he'd been, or right. or what they could be. Looked, Even though it might have been, yeah, a, co- a compilation of uh, uh, sounds he collected over the years. Like from what I, what I've right. read about it, he it didn't happen in kind of one go. He kind of. I think had several false starts at uh, doing it, but um, this one piece I read talked about how uh, some of it was the field recordings and bits and pieces, and that he also kind of self-plagiarized certain bits from earlier pieces, right? Um, but repurposed them, and you'd never know, of course, the way he processes things. No, um, but I I found that really compelling as well because. You know, one of the reasons I did pick this one over, say, like an Adrian Sherwood dub record, which is another huge influence on how I approach the studio as an yeah. instrument. Yeah. You know, I uh, he does that same thing in a way, you know, repurposing sounds, not, not having no allegiance to the original sound at all. It's only what you do with it in the end. Absolutely. You know? And a lot of that pitching, like tape speed dropping and... Things like that create whole new textures that you can build something around, and they, you know, it 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 might not have any. No one will even know, you know, that, that right, relates right. to the original. One frequency that's resonating that wasn't uh, apparent in the original pitch suggests something new entirely that you didn't hear before. Right, and each sound leads to the next, and that's how you get those layered. Well, a lot layered of a lot of times when people say like, you know, oh. Uh, I really liked that's when the album where I felt like I used the studio as an instrument. I usually feel like no, no, not you weren't really because I think this is an example of using the studio as an instrument, like in the same way that you know, uh, you know, Cluster or or Connie Plank would encourage that kind of work. You know, that it's not. This is something that absolutely could not be arranged with musicians in a room. It has to be intentionally created out of technology and mucking around for sure 
for sure. And and I don't think there was a master plan. I think that no. is definitely that's just following the sonic rabbit hole of the moment, which is again was another huge uh, influence on me. That's that's really only what I enjoy doing for the most part. Is <laughs> following the following the sonic rabbit hole. Right, know? right. It's definitely the one that sounds like someone just blowing bubbles into a thing of water and probably slowing the tape down. And <laughs> I it, know exactly yeah, what you mean. Broop, yeah. broop, broop, broop. There's like wind chimes also. I think on the one that has the, the, the boat tackle sound, there's also what sounds like sort of like continual yeah. wind chimes. Wind chimes, or I even was thinking of, uh, you know, like those strands of driftwood, you know, yeah. kind of clack, clacking against oh, each yeah. other, or, you know. But, yeah. One, but one of the things, and you kind of hinted at this earlier about the voice throwing you out of it a little, um, that when you're making music like this, and you would know from doing your a lot of your solo stuff too, when you're making music like this, there can be a really a natural sound that can occur, like you know, like a clicking or a noise that throws a listener out of it by a mile, you know, because like. You know, you could be creating like a weird acoustic sound with something and then you sniff and you blow the illusion. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. For, yeah, absolutely. It's, yeah. And I, I don't know why the human voice was the part that pulls me out because there are lots of other stirring sounds, mm -hmm. you know, like those cl clanks and clicks. And, yeah. Yeah. Like, there's all those. Maybe just because the, the mind is more drawn towards wanting to understand a voice. Absolutely. You know, but... Uh, well, I think that's a thing on this record that's that's very carefully controlled that you don't hear very often. You, there's really not, besides maybe that voice, there's nothing that actually ever knocks you out of the the drones and the sounds and the vibe. And and if there had been, it would be really jarring, you know? Right. It, it's like a, if you heard, like, I don't know, a door shutting or something. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. There's very few things that stick out on it like that, but it is so deep and so complex. I mean, yeah. it, I think there's a couple bass notes that kind of stick out once in a while, but I don't know yeah. if those. I don't think they're in the song with um, with Laswell. Yeah, it, there's like several tracks in, like towards the later part of a the track. There's like a yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, there's definitely some dissonance, you know. That's for sure. Yeah, yeah. And even when you said that, it brought to mind, there, I think there's one track in there, as much as I said it doesn't make me think of machines, if I were to analyze it, there's one track that sounds like it's got the that kind of sample and hold filter thing kind of creeping in and out oh, of yeah, it. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> you, you know? Like it has a yeah. little sound. Yeah, yeah, yeah. totally. And, uh, but that always just kind of created a different, I don't know, creepy, creepy landscape. You know, I, I, I lo I'm super attracted to those type of sounds and tend to use them and overuse them. I mean, if, if I make a record and I don't put something through my microsynth pedal and my Mutron phaser, at some point I feel like I've failed them. You failed, but, uh, you failed the gods of electronics. <laughs> exactly. And uh, and so that, that particular sound in there was, uh, you know, something that uh, I find extremely uh compelling yeah and i think know. it it sort of sounds like a boiling kettle too in some weird way you know i know what it's causing it but or how it, that's made but it also sounds like some kind of mechanical food processing device or something yeah <laughs> there's something, something malfunctioning yeah yeah, yeah. Oh, that's really that's that's interesting you know now when we watch like blockbuster movies or anything there's a ton of sound design 
that sounds basically the same as this. It may be dumbed down a little, but big, huge drones and weird little process and slowed down samples and noises and all these textures have been, I, I feel like eventually just all co-opted for, for sco film score use. Totally agree. Yeah. In hindsight, now you hear a lot of soundtrack work. That is, it sounds great, mm. but it does sound uh, like it's borrowing pretty heavily <laughs> from from what uh, Eno and, and others of that time were kind yeah. of playing with, um, you know, outside of sound design, just sound for the sake of sound. Right. I find that really interesting. I mean, it was harder to, you know, the process of him building this stuff was much more difficult than someone just turning on a virtual synth and boom, knocking something out in their laptop nowadays. Uh, but, but now that that sort of stuff is easier to build and, and create, you know, on demand, those sort of textures and sounds. Yeah. <laughs> one, one batch of plugins. There's, there's probably an Eno on land plugin somewhere. Awesome, man. I think we got some good stuff. Cool. Man, thanks so much cool. for doing this. I really appreciate you inviting me, man. I love uh, talking about the oh. al albums that, you know, really inspired the way I do my own work, you know? Awesome, man. Well, thanks so much, Steve. Thanks for listening. Discussion is created by Tape Op, the creative music recording magazine. Free subscriptions are available at tapeop.com, along with our regular podcast and online content.